This podcast may contain adult language and situations, graphic, gory details, and other not-so-nice things. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Lacey. And I'm Ashley. And this is United States of Murder, the Patreon episode. Dun-dun-dun! This is where we tell you all the shit that's been going down since the last Patreon episode. <laughs> yes. Which is a lot. Seriously. I have 47 pages of things. We're going to try to fill y'all in as much as possible. And not overwhelm you. Let's, let's get started. Let's just roll with it. There's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start. Okay, crack open your beverages. I'm drinking a uh, pineapple mango Lost Birdie Punchy, and Ashley has a Diet Coke. Because Lacey roofied me with that, I with that last drink. There were 2.5 ounces of vodka I measured. That's why I said we need to do it's the Patreon so tiny. <laughs> why did you laugh so hard at that? That's the way you posed. No, but... So, okay, we just recorded our Connecticut episode, and you asked me, should we do, which one should we record first? I said that one because I'm like, we need, because this is unscripted. Our patrons understand us. This is true. We're allowed to loosen up. This is true. Okay, so I'm going to tell you a few true crime in the headlines and updates mm-hmm. real quick, kind of real quick. So the first one is, the uh, they arrested somebody in the uh, Faith Hedgepeth. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that right? Yeah. You know, she was the UNC sophomore mm-hmm. when she was killed in 2012, and her murder was unsolved until September 16th of this year, when Chapel Hill police made an arrest in her case. So she was killed in one of her friends' off-campus apartment, and. The guy they arrested has been charged with first-degree murder and is currently in the jail with no bail. So his name is Miguel Enrique Salguero Olivieres. I probably got none of that right, but he's 28. Did he go to school there? No. So here is what we know about her killing and what evidence police have gathered. And this guy, that's the suspect. Mm -hmm. So she was 19, sophomore at UNC Chapel Hill when she was killed in September of 2012. She arrived at UNC on a scholarship for advanced minority students. She worked two part-time jobs for groceries and gas money. Mm -hmm. At the time of her death, she worked at a Red Robin restaurant. She wanted to become a pediatrician and move back home in another, she lived in another North Carolina town. So she wanted to move back there and take care of the kiddos, which is... Yeah, and Chapel Hill, I've been there, and I've been on their campus. It's a nice place. Oh, yeah, it's super nice. Yeah, and it's a good, really good school. So on Thursday, September 6, 2012, the day before she was killed, she attended a recruiting event for Alpha Pi Omega around 6 at the Davis Library on the UNC campus with her friend and roommate, Karina. Around 7.30, the two girls returned to the apartment that she was sharing So this was the Hawthorne at the View apartment complex. So Karina was letting her stay with her until she could move out into her own apartment later that month. 
And around midnight, the two girls left and went to a nightclub called The Thrill. Around 425, Karina left the apartment to pick up a male friend and left Faith home alone, asleep in the bedroom. And then she told police later on that she had left the front door unlocked. So when she gets back to her apartment the next day, around 11, they discover Faith on the bed with blood under her head and call the police. She tells the dispatcher that her roommate was unconscious and there was blood everywhere. The dispatcher tells her to check and see if she's breathing. She says, I don't want to touch her. But she convinces her to go over there and she says she's cold. So then the dispatcher says, just don't, don't touch anything. Don't touch the body. Mm -hmm. I mean, find a, like if I were to walk in and find your body dead, and called 911. I mean, it's easy for us to say, oh my God, I would do exactly what they said. But you, I mean, you could be freaked out and you're in shock. And yeah. And I feel like, well, I don't know. But you could also, if someone looks obviously dead, you know, you could feel like, why would I do that? Or, or yeah. I, you know, like they're dead. I can tell they looked at. Yeah. They're <laughs> stiff and they're cold. There's mm-hmm. not, I can't. Yeah. So medical examiners conclude her death was. A result of blunt force trauma. She had cuts and bruises on her arms and legs and blood under her fingernails. In addition to the blood that pulled under her head, there was blood spattered on the wall in the closet door. So someone beat yeah. her. Blood and tissue evidence were collected as well as semen from her body. Authorities matched this guy's DNA mm-hmm. to the DNA collected at the crime scene. So it was a DNA match. Complete DNA match. Search warrants were released in September 2014, indicate police initially looked closely at several men in connection with the case, but none of them were a match to the DNA. Mm-hmm. In 2016, in 2016, police released a computer-generated composite of a possible killer using Parabon Labs mm-hmm. based on DNA evidence at the scene, the DNA phenotype indicated that the man was Latino with dark olive to light olive toned skin, brown or hazel eyes and black hair. So even that's very matches his description. Yeah. yeah. His record. So this guy's record shows that he was charged for a DWI from September. His blood alcohol level was twice the legal limit and his driver's license was temporary temporarily revoked for this charge. But other than that, he didn't have a record. Hmm. I mean, he had like... That's surprising. He had been stopped with and charged with no license, no insurance, open container. But, right, but, but not nothing, even domestic violence. No domestic anything. That's weird. Yeah. So he had actually moved... To the United States from Guatemala just a few years before Faith's death. Wow. So he made his first court appearance on Friday, September 17th of this year, where he was denied bond and he doesn't speak English. So statements in the case were relayed to him through an interpreter. He was appointed a public defender and his next hearing was scheduled for today, October the 7th. Wow. So, this is still happening. But they did arrest somebody. Yeah. And charge him. Hmm. And he is in jail. 
and it's hard to fake DNA. You you can't. I mean, there's just no, it could be inconclusive, but to be a match, that ain't happening. Yeah, that sounds pretty uh, solid. So it was actually you who called me yesterday, and you were the first person to tell me that the Zodiac had been found. And I'm I was, basically an investigator. Yes. I, w- I didn't believe it at first. Would I lie to you? No. Well, <laughs> you know, I feel like there's been so many, for the Zodiac more than anyone else, people yeah. coming forward saying, oh, I know who it is. I don't know why that's just been right. a thing. And it's still unfolding right now. So I imagine there's a lot more to learn in the upcoming days or weeks. But according to news outlets right now, a cold case task force claims they have finally uncovered the identity of the mysterious Zodiac Killer. Dun, dun, dun. His name is Gary. <laughs> but really, that's a horrifying name. It sounds legit. I mean, that's Gary Ridgway, mm-hmm. that other guy, Gary is a very... Bidding. Synonymous with the serial killer. Killer name for the 70s. I mean, it just Have you ever a baby named Gary? How odd would that be? To just, oh my god, Aren't your baby's so like cute. Gerald? No, that's kidding. Gerald. <laughs> my dad's name was Gerald. But everybody called him Jerry. My grandpa's name was Jerry. I don't know any Gary's. My sister's ex-husband, one of them. Ooh, is that is his Gary. full name? It's just Gary? That's the name? G-A-R-Y? Yeah. It seems like a nickname, but anyway, I digress. So this task force is called the Case Breakers, and it's a team consisting of former law enforcement investigators, journalists, and military intelligence officers, and more. I mean, there's Mm -hmm. people that work on anagrams, Mm -hmm. uh, cybersecurity hackers, smart hackers, the, the legal version of what hackers are. Smart people. Yes, smart people. And I don't want to say too much yet or jinx anything, but we have an interview lined up with someone who is a member of the Case Breakers team who's been working on this case for the past two years. I'm so excited for this to happen. So she's someone I've been following for a while, and I trust her professional opinion. I can see why a lot of people are skeptical about this. Well, because it's like the little boy that cried wolf. Exactly. And this is a case we've heard so many times. Oh, this is a Zodiac. This is a Zodiac. And it's like, wait, who's this guy named Gary? This mm-hmm. is boring. This doesn't, mm-hmm. it's not the D.B. Cooper. It's yep. not, it's not exciting. It's like, may, sometimes the most obvious answer is. The correct one. Yeah. It's just, doesn't. It's, it's just Gary. It's just Gary from. California. So this person who, I don't want to jinx anything. I don't want to say too much yet because I don't know what we're allowed to say, but we are lining up an interview and you guys have heard it first. Next Tuesday on the 12th, which is Samuel's birthday, we are going to interview a team member and maybe we can get some info out of her that. Oh, we're we're going (laughs) to dig. We're going to dig. We're going to dig. She has alluded that there's information that has not been made public yet. We won't get that information. We won't get that information, (laughs) but it gives hope that there is more that's not out there yet. That may make this more believable. Because I've seen a lot of posts like, oh, it's just forehead wrinkles. And it is more than forehead wrinkles. The casebreaker said in a press release that they believe that the Zodiac killer is Gary Francis Post, who died in 2018. Gary Post was an Air Force veteran who lived near North California, Sierra Nevada. The group also said they believe he's responsible for killing a sixth victim, 18-year-old Sherry Jo Bates, 
on October 31st, 1966 in Riverside, California, and stated that detectives recovered hairs, skin, and blood underneath her fingernails. So she has DNA from, Mm -hmm. likely from her attacker. Mm -hmm. So they're calling on the department to test the alleged evidence, which they say is stored in the Northern California city of Vallejo, against that of the person that's been identified. So basically they're saying, run this DNA against her, why not? And from what I've gathered, the police are not being super cooperative with them, which isn't necessarily a surprise. But Riverside police officer named Ryan Railsback told Nexstar that his department is unaware of any such physical evidence. So he was kind of claiming they didn't have this, which is kind of strange because that's very specific. But anyway, he questioned where they were getting their information. Kind of sounds suspicious to me, but he said Riverside investigators have worked closely with the labs and law enforcement teams to investigate any possible link. He said, if the Sherry Joe Bates case was actually related to the Zodiac killer, we wouldn't be holding that back, especially 55 years later. Unequivocally, we are saying that the Sherry Joe Bates case and the Zodiac killer case are not related. Mm. But I will say in the past, they've also said that about other serial killers and they have been mistaken. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying they're always wrong, right. but they can make mistakes. They can make mistakes. He said that the Riverside Police Department's cold case unit did receive a handwritten letter in 1967 that initially led investigators to believe the Zodiac Killer might have been behind her murder, but that they received a second letter apologizing for the letter, saying it was written as a sick joke. I'm like, is that why they're saying that it isn't related? Because some random person apologized? No. Anyway, the team of cold case specialists say that new forensic evidence decoded notes, and photos from the suspect's own darkroom led them to the identity of the Zodiac Killer. In one case, the casebreakers removed the letters of his full name, so Gary Francis Post, and discovered a message in the remaining text. So they removed the letters of his name and that left a separate message. So fascinating how they can do all that. Right, so basically the anagrams that they have already had that they thought they figured out couldn't even be correctly deciphered yet because unless someone knew his full name, Gary Francis Post, they couldn't get another message out of this. And who's going to guess Gary? <sighs> well, especially, yeah. Don't so, come at us all the Garys. Or if your dad's Gary. Right. So. We're sorry. Gary, Indiana. We're not coming for a whole city. We're not city. coming for the cities or all the Garys. <laughs> but really, though, it's. And people are saying, oh, that's just a fluke. Okay, Gary Francis Post being all those specific letters being taken out, and that gives a new message. We don't know what the message is yet. I knew you were about to ask that. I don't know, but I'm curious. Maybe we can can ask her. Ask our source. So they also uncovered a series of photographs dating back to 1963 from his dark room. Him having a dark dark room tells me enough. He has a dark room. That's creepy. Why are you taking pictures and not, I don't know. Maybe it's not creepy. Maybe there are photographers out there that have dark rooms and it's just the norm. We're not attacking you either. (laughs) Right. Well, we're very aggressive. (laughs) We're aggressive. So I think it's just, I think I'd be more skeptical and less, I guess, aggressive if I didn't know who one of the people was working on this because I, she's logical, level-headed. It's not like she's 
And she's been working on it two years. And she said, she's the, not just spitballing. Yeah. The whole team's been working on this for seven, seven years. Mm-hmm. And they're like former FBI agents, intelligence, counter, whatever. It's not like it's, no offense, it's not like it's me and you on a team. It's not Kevin from Walgreens. <laughs> it's not Kevin from Walgreens. No, Kevin. It's not, not Kevin. We're really going after some All male the names. names. Haven't we gone after Kevin before? No, Chad. Chad. There's always that. So some of the photos show Gary with supposed scars on his forehead that they believe matched marks shown on the police sketch of the Zodiac Killer. To be honest, I always thought those were forehead wrinkles and not scars. I never really even thought about it, but based on a news clipping, they believe Gary Post's scars were from a car crash in 1959 in which he was injured. So he had scars on his forehead. Among the evidence that case breakers believe links the cases and Gary Post is a Timex wristwatch with a broken band found at the crime scene. I didn't remember this. Mm-hmm. So a broken band was find, found at the scene and it was purchased at a military base in the mid-60s and it had paint spatter on it. So Gary Post was receiving medical checkups following a gun accident injury. And as a U.S. Air Force veteran, he was being treated at the March Air Force Base Hospital just 15 minutes away from this crime scene. It's unclear at this time if the dates overlap, but I mean, that's a close proximity. And the face of the watch has paint spatter on it, which they think is from Gary's time as a house painter. He spent decades painting houses after he served. So at all tracks, yeah, at three of the Zodiac crime scenes, there was a size 10 heel print from a military style boot. And allegedly it's the same style as those worn by Gary. Sherry Jo Bates did have suspects brown hair removed from her hand during her autopsy. And they extracted DNA from that hair. But the casebreakers have continually tried and failed to get police investigators to compare this DNA against posts. And why? I, that's one of those things I never get. Just run the DNA. Why? Right. Why not? Right. The team said they obtained a 1975 FBI memo to Riverside Police saying that Bates was a Zodiac victim. So maybe the police and media attention will pressure the police to run DNA against all of this, I mean, what would it hurt? But a Vietnam vet by the name of Homs Smits says that he spent 10 years hiding a Zodiac whistleblower named Will, who had escaped a, quote, criminal posse that was led by Gary Post. So this posse allegedly roamed around in California's High Sierra region. Will claims that Gary Post groomed him into a killing machine and that he had witnessed Gary hiding weapons. So other witnesses brought forward by the casebreaker include Gary's daughter-in-law named Michelle, who claims that when her marriage ended, she was harassed, threatened, and assaulted by Gary's posse until she left the state. So multiple people are saying that he had this criminal posse. Gwenny, a California woman who lived next door to Gary and his wife, told Fox News that she believes he's the Zodiac Killer based on the evidence collected to date. Like, yep, that's the guy. But, of course, this is just, you know, her word. But she said that Gary and his wife babysat her as a child in the 1970s and 80s. And he would teach her how to shoot firearms several times a week, like any good babysitter would. She also said that she witnessed his callousness and violence toward his wife 
and his wife only slept on their couch. Recently, Gwenny said she caught up with his wife, who is now in assistant living, assisted living, and was told over the phone, quote, I'm sorry I didn't tell the cops about his past. I don't know what his wife or ex-wife is saying, but I'm sure they'll be trying to interview her. Bill Proctor, a former police officer who spent 40 years in television news, said that Riverside Police Department is not revealing all the evidence it has on the killer. He is currently a team member of the Casebreakers and said this, quote, They're not talking about what they have, which means that anybody else who comes to the table might have a reasonable argument that an outside organization's information is as valuable, if not more valuable, than what the police department has already done. Basically saying, you know, they don't want some other people coming in on their territory. So that's basically what we know right now, but it's definitely interesting. I mean, I feel like I keep saying, seeing the quote over and over. It's, I don't believe it. It's just forehead wrinkles. I'm like, well, it is more than forehead wrinkles. Right. There's more to it. We just don't know. Exactly. And this source has alluded that there's more information that the public doesn't know yet. And she's even said she understands why people are skeptical. So if all goes well, we will interview her on the 12th and hopefully find out some interesting information. I'm excited about it. She's been keeping this, her lips sealed for two years and hasn't been able to even talk about it. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited, but we shall see. And there's been a lot going on. So, I mean, the elephant in the room is Gabby. Yeah. Petito. That's been, it's all, it's everywhere. It's been everywhere. Yeah. Just terrible. So if you lived under a rock, then you don't know about this story. Our That's patrons the only way. do know about Yes. This. So, you know, she's 22. She goes on a road trip with her fiancé, Brian. Um, he returns home on September the 1st in Gabby's van without her. And they were last known to be together in the Grand Teton National Park. A good Samaritan actually called the police and reported a domestic disturbance. When they saw Brian basically kick her out of the van and... There's videos of this all over the internet yeah. that was recorded on the police officer's body mm-hmm. cam. I haven't watched this until today. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the cops following him, right? And he sees the car like jerk to the side. Mm-hmm. And, and so he stops them and he's like, what the fuck's going on? I'm like, what's going right. on? You know, we've had a call. This is the dub. And so, he, you know, he separates them and he's, he's talking to them. And Brian, you know, says, you know, he's talking to Brian and he's like, so what, I saw you, the wheel, the car. And he's like, well, she jerked the wheel while I was driving. And he's like, why do you have all these scratches on you? And he's like, because she scratched me and hit me with her phone and she's being aggressive. And the people, you know, that had called it in had said, you know, he locked her out. So they ask him, why did you, and he's like, because we needed to separate because she's acting like this. We need to be away from each other. So it, it appears in mm-hmm. the video that he is trying to, he's trying to defuse the situation and she's the aggressor. Right. So they talk to Gabby. She's crying and she admits to it. Like I did snatch the wheel. I did hit him. I did do this. I did do that. And the police are talking back and forth and saying, we're about to charge her with assault. So anyways, they agree to sleep and he goes to a hotel and she stays in the van that night. 
So on September the 10th, Gabby's mom calls Brian's mom because she's worried, because she hasn't heard anything. No one calls her back. Dad drives over to their house. So mom and stepdad live in New York. Dad's in Florida. Um, Dad drives over to the house. Police are called because there's a public incident report made. The next day, mom and stepdad file a missing persons report. This is September 11th. Police in Florida go over to the house and find out that Brian has been home for one week without Gabby, that he got home on September the 1st. But no one's talking to the police. Mm -hmm. They give him the number to their attorney. Which people are like, that's a bad look. That's not good. But we know something happened. So Mm -hmm. that's what you do. I'm not talking to anybody without an attorney. Not because I'm guilty of anything, but just because... You see these stories and you hear these things where it does get right. What you say gets twisted and turned and it is used against you. So, and they tell you, you have the right to an attorney. You don't have to speak to us. Yeah. I try not to ever get, I don't know what the word is, in my feels about someone asking for an attorney for an attorney. Because I, I've, you know, there are plenty of people who get wrongfully convicted Oh, yeah. Or people that get their stories twisted. I'm not saying that's what's happening here, but I get It does happen. I get that. Yeah. Yes. So, the van is seized. Things are found inside. Gabby's family's begging Brian and his family to give them answers. So, on September 15th, he's officially a suspect. Right. But now Brian is on the run. Mm -hmm. I won't say missing. He's on the run. He's running. Yeah. So, police go to the house and find out that no one has seen him since September the 14th. Mm. Sadly, on September the 19th, Gabby's body was found in Wyoming's Teton National Forest. Coroner's initial determination is that it was a homicide. Mm -hmm. So, now they're, you know, they've been searching 25,000 acres of this Florida nature reserve. And there's been nothing found. Right. And now... Dog the Bounty Hunter, which I can't. I, can't, I know. <laughs> I cannot. He's now he get he's, to this level? Exactly. Now he's involved. Um, the FBI has issued a federal arrest warrant for him mm-hmm. in late September for using... It's been several For using now. Gabby's debit card. That's what the yeah. arrest warrant's for. So here's a little time frame for you. Yeah. So on August the 17th, Brian flies home to Florida. To empty out a storage unit. Flies. Uh Okay. And get a few things. And on the 23rd, he flies back to Salt Lake City and meets back up with Gabby. I didn't know this. I didn't either. So, on the 27th of August, the couple is seen in a fight at a restaurant. On August the 30th is when Gabby's mom says she thinks she had the last real communication Uh with her and all the text said was no service in Yosemite. Yeah. So on September the 1st, Brian returns home without Gabby. Then him and his family go camping September 6th, 7th, and 8th. Yeah. They all go camping on a camping trip. I mean, the, the, I'm stating the obvious here, but he was engaged to her Mm -hmm. and he comes back without Mm her and you mean to tell me they are not asking questions? I mean, obviously. Right. Yeah. And then they're deciding to go on a camping trip. 
Right. For three days. When his fiance is gone. Okay. So on September 11th, Gabby is reported missing by her family. On September 17th, Brian's family tells police that they haven't seen him since September the 14th. On the 18th, they begin searching the reserve. On September 19th is when Gabby's body is found. September the 20th, FBI questions the parents. And on the 23rd is when the federal warrant is issued for using her debit card. So police did find um, remnants of a campsite at the reserve. He's not been charged with murder. Let's just be clear. He's just on the run. And the parents are sticking to, we don't know where he's at. And then you see all this TikTok stuff where supposedly there's a hand in the flower bed in the backyard. Yeah. Did you see it? Yeah, I watched it. Kinda, I mean, a, it does look like a hand. There's it does. A lot of, but you don't believe anything, so I don't know. There's a lot of random theories out there. She might have been fighting him mm-hmm. or doing all this. I If he had marks on him, he had marks on him. Right. Maybe she did do stuff to him, which isn't okay, but... It doesn't mean he should murder her. At the end of the day, she didn't kill him. Right. I just get a little... There's more to it. I get a little defensive about that. Not that he was saying, oh, she's a crazy woman, Mm -hmm. but that whole shtick of Mm -hmm. she's a woman, her emotions are running Mm -hmm. wild. I just Mm -hmm. immediately, when that starts happening, I get my spikes come out and I just start getting defensive about that. You're like, are you gaslighting right now? Exactly. No. I mean, I'm 100% agree with you that... It's all subject to interpretation, and we were not there. I guess it all boils down to we don't know the whole story, and we probably never will because Gabby only knows what happened in the vehicle. And Brian, and we're not going to know. It's it's awful. Mm -hmm. Nobody deserves to have their life cut short like this by any means. There's no excuse for it. I do feel like his parents 100% are protecting him. Yeah. Whatever story he told them probably wasn't 100% the truth. Exactly, yeah. But, and so they're helping him because yeah. that's what your parents do. Yeah. They protect their children. So it's awful and I really wish they would find him and figure out yeah. the story. He needs to be brought in by his toenails and... It's, it's terrible. I felt awful for Gabby's family. I was following her father along on Twitter and his... Updates were just breaking my heart. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. I couldn't imagine. I mean, I just can't even imagine yeah. losing a child. And especially to find out that they were murdered by someone who was supposed to love. I can't. Mm-mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. And it's easy for people to say, oh, well, there was abuse. Why didn't she get out? Or right. that, there's that whole thing mm-hmm. of, well, she should have, you know, I mean, I've luckily never been in that type of situation. But it's kind of like a cult. we're talking about cults today. Yeah. It's it's hard to understand, but on the other hand, if you've almost everyone has known someone in an abusive relationship, sure, and it's easy to see from that perspective that they love bomb. They they might do something bad, but then it's the makeup they make up. Mm -hmm. It's great. There might be presence or love or affection, or they're giving them something that they feel like they're missing. It's just sad, sad situation. Yeah, it's very sad, and it's. I really hope that he's found soon, alive, so that they can get answers. It's been several weeks now. That's not good. No. Especially if he is not using his phone or cards for several weeks. Especially if he did it and he knows they're looking for him. I don't know that that will end well. Yeah, I... 
something tells me it's just not going to. So I feel like we're this is one of those things we might never know really what happened. Right. And they were kind of isolated too from everyone. Mm-hmm. So it's not like they had other than the witness that called in the you know the bystander that called police. There's not a lot of insider information on their relationship. No, you're right. You can't trust parents. And you can't trust Instagram. Exactly. Instagram is not real life. And then the parents see what they want to see or what they're showing them. So there's not really a lot of personal close friends who can say what their relationship was like. So Well, and you're not telling your mom when you and Sam have a stupid fight. Right. Okay, so you want some more bad news? I guess. (laughs) So we're going to do a little Murdoch update. There's more... There's more bullshit from this guy. So, Buford lawyer Corey Fleming is accused of helping Alex Murdoch steal millions of dollars of a wrongful death settlement from the heirs mm. of the Murdoch's housekeeper. Remember the housekeeper that died? Yes. So, they were supposed to yep. get a huge settlement. Oh. So, um, when it came time to disperse the settlement funds, Mr. Fleming trusted his close friend and colleague to deal with him truthfully and honorably only to be deceived, Alex Murdoch lied to him and stole the client's money. So this statement comes just days after Fleming's law firm and their insurance carrier agreed to pay back their share of the $4.3 million death settlement from the Satterfield estate. In a nutshell, the housekeeper's family, so the housekeeper dies yeah. in their house, their Murdoch's house. So he has insurance, right? So he tells his friend, Corey, and her children, the the woman who died's children, to get together and, you know, use this attorney to get a settlement from the insurance company. And so they do. And then the settlement comes in. Mm -hmm. And then this piece of shit pulls a Tom Girardi Mm. and keeps keeps the money. So it's more than $3.5 million that he, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know this. So yeah, he stole the client's money. So he um, diverted the death settlement from them and the two sons never received anything. So his attorney's like, his attorney friend, this Corey Fleming guy's like, I didn't know any of this. I didn't know. I just found out. After learning that his uh, that the two sons did not receive any of the settlement money, he went to his law firm and was like, we have to do the right thing. We have to figure this out. So she, this is what happened. So Gloria Satterfield had fallen and died on February 26, 2018. At her funeral, Murdoch told the Satterfield's two sons that the fall was his fault and that his insurance would cover it and yeah. that they would, they needed to get with this attorney, da, 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 da. His insurance carrier reduced his fee to 50% and that increased the net recovery for the Satterfield children. And then he diverted more than $3.5 million of that death settlement into a fraudulent bank account. And the checks included Fleming's law firm on them. So he forged it and then put it into this uh, wow. account. So he embezzled all this money. No autopsy was ever done on this woman, by the way. 
mysterious death. Another one. And then he stole the money, like Tom Girardi. The victims' yeah. families never saw That's a dime. Horrible. He stole. How could you steal money like that? And oh, just can't. no conscience, I guess. This whole Patreon episode sucks. It's just all bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I. It's all bad news. I have a little update. Not. It's not like good news. I guess none of our cases are ever good. But remember our New Jersey episode when I was talking about Khalil Wheeler Weaver. Yes. He's the one that used dating apps to lure and kill three women five years ago. He's 25 years old now, but he's basically kind of like an... I hate I hate a dating app. A dating app serial killer, no. pretty much. It's the one where one of the victim's friends did her own investigative work on social media and helped crack the case. So on October 6th, which for us, this was yesterday, he was sentenced to 160 years in prison. Good. According to AP News, Khalil Wheeler Weaver sat motionless as the judge gave the sentence in state court in Newark. The sentence was preceded by emotional statements by family members of victims Robin West and Sarah Butler. In a brief statement before they spoke, he denied responsibility, telling Superior Court Judge Mark S. Ali that he was framed. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. His mother, aunt, and brother sat in the gallery but did not address the court. So that was a quick update, but so he's been sentenced to 160 years. Still not enough time. So that's an update. And I think we have, I mean, there's a lot. What else? What else do we have? I mean, what's his name? Robert Durst. Yeah. I did can. you watch that documentary on HBO? Oh, I did not. You should. It's actually a really good one. And the intro is so good. I will Kind of reminds me of True Detective. It's on Netflix? No, it's on HBO. HBO Max. The Jinx. The Jinx is what the... uh, Oh, yeah, yeah. I've seen that. I didn't see it. I saw it on Yeah. So, basically, Robert Durst was found guilty of first-degree murder. He was found guilty of first-degree murder for the execution-style killing of his best friend, Susan Berman, more than 20 years ago. According to Verdict Durst, intentionally discharged a handgun and caused great bodily injury and death to Susan Berman. Jurors also found true the special circumstance allegations that Durst killed Berman because she was witness of a crime and he used a firearm in the murder. Durst was not in court to hear the verdict because of exposure to COVID-19. Yeah, he currently remains in isolation after one of his drivers tested positive. So after the verdict was read in court, jurors were polled individually and asked if they agreed with the verdict, and they did. So, yeah. Most. The judge ordered that jurors' personal identifying information be sealed for privacy and safety. It is up to the jurors if they choose to discuss any deliberations or the verdict. Judge Mark Winnum later thanked the jury for their service and said, I'll miss you. Is that what... I don't typically goes. I've never been on a jury. <laughs> never been on a jury. And then he said, I'm so proud of this group. This is a group that had no idea, no idea that there would be a pandemic. You knew, oh, okay. So they were in it for longer than normal because of the pandemic. So the 15-week trial resumed last May after unprecedented 14-month. Oh, okay. So they were on trial, and then there was a 14-month delay because of the pandemic. So, his sentencing is scheduled for October 18th. It's another old, old man being sentenced, which is good. I'm like, don't let their, don't let their shaky old 
Look, Parkinson's hands. Don't let them fool you. Don't They're, let them fool you. They are not nice people. Now, do we have any more news or can we no. just talk about fun stuff? Let's talk about fun stuff. This has been suck still. It has. Man, if anyone's still listening. <laughs> what are you watching? So we started watching Squid Game last night on Netflix. What is that? Okay. I have not seen any of it. So I've only seen two episodes so far and it's disturbing. So it is a Korean show, so it's all subtitles. Great. Which I mean, so you have to pay attention, but it's a really interesting concept. It's a Korean drama slash horror series. It's kind of hard to explain, but basically there's this game. There, It's Squid Games, but it's childhood-like games where if you win, you win a lot of money. If you lose, you are killed. That's the summary. But it's really interesting. If I, you lose, you're killed? Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. It's I can't really... I can't really elaborate on it, but it's very, it's a very interesting concept. It made me think too long last night. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then I finished Midnight Mass. Mm. Skippity skip skip if you don't want to hear spoilers. But like I said, I think, I don't know which episode I said this in. It's like they pick apart any scripture to match their wacky theories. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at Bev, who's the worst. (laughs) Bev is the worst. She'll just be like, oh wait, in chapter... Blah, blah, blah. I don't know anything off the top of my head. In Matthew, verse 8, chapter 12. No, she's the worst. Oh, my gosh. But overall, I, I like the series. I thought it was a little long-winded sometimes. But I thought the writing was beautiful. I had a little... There's some mixed feelings about the ending, but I thought it was fitting. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Bev got the lonely-ass ending she deserved. Because even at the end, I loved it. Like, she didn't even have her religion at the end of it all. Which all she cared about the whole time was like, that's all she had. Mm-hmm. And then at the end, it's like she was just clinging at the dirt, trying to like bury herself alive. And I'm like, girl, why didn't you bury yourself an hour ago and you could have been? No. Also, like, I don't know. Anyway, I like Mike Flanagan's stuff because he doesn't really just go for easy scares. He wants to move you in like a sad, scary way, I guess. That's you know the best what I mean? Way to be moved. Yeah. So, and I like that it asked. Not only what happens when we die, but what if we never die, you know? And I love Kate Siegel, who plays Erin Green. I, I could watch her, her in anything. anything. That's what I was saying. Did you know that she's married to Mike Flanagan? No. Nope. That's why she's in That's so why many she's things. in all this stuff. That's why she's in it. Keep putting her in it. I was going to say, I'm not complaining. Yeah, and have you seen Hush, that scary movie? It was on Netflix a while back. No, it um, didn't look like much. It's a home intruder type thing with yeah. the scary mask. She's deaf. I like a monster. He's a monster. Mask man. Anyway, there was news just dropped yesterday that Mike Flanagan is adapting Edgar Allan Poe's The Fall of the House of Usher. That's your favorite. I know. I'm like, so it's going to be a limited series, eight episodes. Four will be directed by him. I don't know who the other ones will be directed by, but we're still waiting on a release date. I'm like, dang it. It's, I know it's not going to be this month, obviously, but I'm excited about that. Maybe she'll be in it, rooting for Kate Siegel in all the episodes. I just started watching The Way Down, God Greed, oh and the Cult gosh. of Gwen Shamblin on HBO Max, and I want to fucking pull my hair out. She's the big hair woman. She has hair a woman. big she's, hair. Okay. She's like 81 pounds. She I looks, haven't seen it. She's It's a crazy cult. Um, Where is it? It's in Tennessee. Okay. I don't think huh. it's still, I don't know. I'm not there. I'm just, I'm on episode three. Okay, you're just getting, yeah, just getting into it. I'm just getting into it. 
Tennessee. Yeah, hmm. she's like a Memphis State alum. Oh. And she starts out by writing these books about like this diet plan. Like you lose weight, it gets you closer to God and all this stuff. And then it just fucking snowballs into her starting her own religion. And it becomes like this crazy big six flags over Jesus. And it's, it's just insane. I, 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 like, I'm just flabbergasted. How many, do you know how many see, members she has? Like, is it a big following? It's, a hu- it's like Six Flags Over Jesus up here. It's huge. <laughs> it's this huge church. All this money. She's making bank. She's, again, 81 pounds. And it's all in her hair. It's all in her hair. Um, she's like, when you're hungry, you pray to God. Oh, my gosh. Don't. You know, it's like you're starving your congregation. There's child abuse. It's got Ugh. all the most horrible things that every cult has with big hair in Tennessee. There's always it's child abuse. And it's a woman leader, which is rare. So it's usually some dick man who's, yeah, but this woman, it's insane. And does um, she have men and women? There I mean, are men I'm and women. There are men and women. And wow. So, again, I'm on episode three. So, this couple gets arrested for the beating of their <gasps> eight-year-old to death. Oh, gosh. These kids are basically like Stepford children. So, they beat this little boy to death. And then they start investigating. And that's how this all kind of comes out is this child dies. Mm. And they're like, this is what our church told us to do. Yikes. And they have recordings of her saying these things, and then she's saying that that tape was altered. That wasn't me. It's a it's oh. a whole rabbit hole. You you will seriously. Oh my gosh! Is and there's like videos eesh. and recordings of her telling these children that if you don't obey your mom and dad, you will go to hell. You will only live on earth a short period of time, and then you will be damned to hell for the rest of eternity. You're going to tell a six-year-old Nothing that? like terrifying children to get them to mind you that, yeah, that's a good plan. It's oh just the God. need to control things. That's sick. And you, it's, that's and you, sick. And you're projecting it onto these children. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm just yeah. telling you, I, I'm on episode three. I'm probably going to have to skip the rest of it. It just has a bad taste in my mouth. This child is dead. Ew, There's child no. abuse accusations. There's videos of her telling parents to, if, if there's not a red mark, you're not spanking them hard enough. Like, it's awful. Everyone check it out. Oh, my gosh. I hate stuff like that. I hate, I do too. It's interesting, but it's such a double-edged sword because I'm like, okay, I'm going to have nightmares and not be able to sleep, but I want to watch it and figure out what, I I don't know. Yeah, I've heard about it, but I didn't, oh, my gosh. Is it still around? Is she still doing her? It's, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. (laughs) Just watch it. Charlie's up and about. That must mean it's time time to go. It's time to go. Charlie. I gotta go. All I right. gotta go home and watch the new American Horror Story. Yeah, you do. And then tell me if it's worth sticking around All so that. I don't have to waste my time. Ooh, aliens, I'll have to though. listen to that. That'll freak me out. Aliens, I don't know. Freaks me out. Anyway, but until November. Bye. Bye. <laughs>